welcome everybody to the Magic Beans podcast. I am your host, my name is Shorty, and we are back again with an evergreen topic for episode number 29. We hope that you enjoy. So we thought we'd have a bit of a chat about the formats. So we have a couple of main formats and and we thought we'd yeah, give you guys a bit of a breakdown, get into those, get into the nitty-gritty of what makes each format. So tonight I have with me on the line Cracker. How you going, Cracker? Very well, thank you, mate. And we also have Chewy. How you going, Chew? I'm just one of the formats. <laughs> Moving I really on. I hope we don't have four of you, buddy. Yeah, one, we'd, we'd one be in a world of trouble. Yeah. Get <laughs> some sweet two-headed giant games. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. All right. So we're gonna get gonna get straight into it. We've got a lot to cover in this episode. So hopefully Chewy will try to stay on track. But uh, yeah, we thought we'd go right into the formats. We've mentioned a few times, and you would have heard us on many podcasts talking about a whole bunch of these different things. And you may be wondering, what on earth are they talking about? What are they talking about when they say this is a standard deck, or we're going to play modern, or we played some commander, that sort of stuff? So that's what we'll be getting through. And we'll uh, we'll get into it right now. So there's uh, effectively two main types of formats uh, that can be broken into two sort of groups, uh, two sort of overall groups. So they they would be constructed and limited. If you if you go through all the formats that we're going to talk about tonight, they can all be bundled into one of those two groups. So the constructed formats, they there's a whole bunch of them, and they cover a, a really wide range. But they're formats where you're constructing your deck in advance of you playing it. So it's built from cards that you have at home, you're putting them all together, you're building a constructed deck, and then you're then playing with that deck that you've built in advance. A limited format is almost the opposite of that. So a limited is you have a limited card pool, and that limitation is it it is the cards that you're opening then and there at the tournament. So uh, whether that is opening them directly from booster packs or, or from, uh, you know, whole booster boxes in some uh, certain formats, but you're opening the cards then and there directly from the packets and then you're building your deck and playing your games with uh, with those cards. So they're the two sort of bundles that you would put all your formats into. And we're going to start off going through limited. So just some sort of general rules for limited formats that they all follow. Uh, it doesn't matter which limited format you play in. They, they all tend to follow these rules. So the main thing being that the deck size. So your deck has to be a minimum of 40 cards. Uh, constructed is a little bit different to that. But in limited, you only need to have 40 cards. There's also no restriction on the maximum number of cards that you can have in each deck. So as you'll see when we get to Constructed a bit later, that is a restriction of four cards, four of any one card per deck. In Limited, you don't have that restriction. So if you open a whole bunch of the same card and you really want to play a whole bunch of them because they're really good, you can do that in Limited, which is something a little bit different to normal. And the other uh, main rule for limited is that the cards that are left over in your card pool, so if you're doing an event and you open six packs of cards and you're only going to use 40 of them, you're going to have a whole bunch of cards left over from those packs. They become your sideboard. So for more information on sideboards, there is, it, it may have already been released or it may be coming out. We do have a topic on sideboards, so go and see that one. But yeah, in limited, all your cards that are left over in your pool become your sideboard. So... We're going to get into limited and get into that a little bit more. Chewy, do you want to give us a bit of a rundown on the first one, which is booster drafts? Yeah, booster drafts is one of my favourite ways to interact with the game, so more than happy to talk about that. So booster draft, as the name uh, sort of gives you a clue towards you, you play it with, uh, with booster packs. So uh, generally you'll get uh, seven other players. So you can can work with six, can work with ten, but uh, it's kind of designed for, for eight players and you you open your you know fresh boost pack. Uh, it's not weird if you sniff the cards when you open them at all. It's not weird. <laughs> um, everyone loves the smell of freshly cracked packs. And uh, yeah, you you look at your cards and you you take one card from that fifteen cards or fourteen cards plus basic lands, and shuffle it up, and then you pass it to your left, and you continue that process until you've picked all the cards from that booster, and then you repeat that process, except you uh, pass it to the right for pack two and then back to the left in pack three. So 
it's uh, it's it's really cool because you you're building your deck out of and you know this is where limited gets its name from uh, really limited options and you you need to work with what's presented to you you need to uh, you know there's there's a whole bunch of um, sort of uh, galaxy brain uh, level things with, with limited formats about uh, wheeling things and uh, signals and such that we won't really get into uh, but be, but because of those things experienced uh, drafters can be quite intimidating for newer players but uh, I recommend anybody who is interested in drafting uh, who wants to, to try it because you know to be honest it sounds like fun uh, either get a bunch of uh, mates together that at the same sort of level as you or even grab some more experienced players you learn off them or there's the bots on arena uh, which you know it's a, a low barrier to entry simulates it simulates it for you you don't have any sort of restrictions on time to select to the card that you want you can see which cards you've already picked because at uh, higher rules enforcement level you have time restrictions and you're not allowed to look at your cards mid-pack so start with arena best place to to start to learn to draft conveniently a good way to convert gold to gems check out our previous episode on that as well (laughs) But yeah, it, it, it's a really rewarding uh, format where you you know you build a deck and you play it. Uh, it's all really self-contained, and if you draft well and 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 play the deck well, yeah, it's a real sense of achievement from that. So yeah, booster draft is uh, is one of the the most challenging, but the most rewarding. It can uh, be quite quite intimidating because you are you're effectively building your deck on the fly trying to figure out what does my deck need and, and what have I already picked and things like that. So it can be quite hard, but if you start off with people in a similar at a similar skill level to you, like Chewie said, then that's a, a good place to start and a good place to learn. But it has that opposite end of the spectrum where if you are really good at it or you really learn a format, then you can really be rewarded for it. And, and there are people who are definitely known as really good limited players, people like Ben Stark and that sort of stuff because they, they do such a good job at learning the, the formats and, and learning the card pool and learning how to read the signals of what's going around the table. But I, I think my, and my, the last point I'll make on Booster Draft is if you're an intermediate player where you, you know, you've been going to your local F&Ms and you, know, you, you have a positive record and you know, you're doing well and you, you think, oh, I'm pretty good at this game. If you want to get to the next level, then... Booster Draft is a really, really good step uh, in that direction because it, it teaches you to to remember cards and, and uh, you know, as far as the, the signaling and such, as well as, you know, you've got so much pressure on you to build your deck correctly. And, and that's something, deck building and, you know, how many lands and your mana base and, and all of these things is really important to construct it. Uh, also really important to, to limited so if you if you boost a draft regularly that will translate into into the constructed formats which we'll get into but yeah if you're an intermediate player and you want to get better get drafting very good the other main type of limited play that we see a lot of is sealed so cracker do you want to give us a bit of a rundown on what sealed is yeah so sealed is most commonly played at pre-release events which are you know, a lot of fun in their own right because you get six packs of the brand new set. But I mean, sealed in general is always uh, six packs of the same set of cards and you just get to open them all at once. So you kind of are restricted in the sense that that is your card pool. So you don't get to, as Chewie was saying, hopefully, you know, wheel cards from um, strategies. So you kind of have just the set of cards and, and typically just open them up and lay them all out and go, what are my best cards? How can I make this all work? So it's different than a booster draft because there's no, as Chewie was saying, time constraints around like individual picks and you've got, you know, you've got to remember to grab this card and put it face down and, you know, pass this over here and do all this sort of stuff. You just kind of sit in your own world and focus for, you know, 45 minutes or whatever you get to, to put the pool together and then go from there. So same thing, you, you can grab lands you don't have to worry about having basics and things in your packs because that would be well six basics so that's not going <laughs> to it's not going to get you very far not going to be a very good deck it would not be a very good deck at all but it tends to be a little more varied than um than draft because you've got kind of 
you know, just whatever you open. You, you have less agency over yeah, how the, the, the deck the comes the together. But at the same time, it tends to be more more splashable and more bomb heavy. So you, you tend to look at your like your your mythics and your big expensive rares and those kinds of things and, and try and work out the best way to play the most of those kind of effects as you can. I, I love sealed actually. I think it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a lot it's, of fun. And and particularly as we play sealed predominantly at pre releases, there's just a different atmosphere at them. So they're a lot of fun in that respect. But it's also I don't want to say more casual, but it, it feels like a little less pressure to me when you're kind of putting it all together and you can kind of because it's it's effectively a face up format more than others. You can kind of particularly pre releases get help from people to to put things together. So I think that, that is like as far as building limited decks, I think sealed is the perfect entry point. I, I think I think I agree with you, except there is the outlier with sealed where, and shorty, you would feel this where uh, you work really hard to get buys at a sealed GP, <laughs> and then you open, you know, effectively a uh, a compost heap, a pile of, of garbage. Of a pool. Yeah, uh, that so that does happen, and that can be you know a little disconcerting if that happens to you, but. That that is the the exception, not the rule. But uh, I just wanted to point out that, that happened to Shorty. So thank you. <laughs> thanks, thanks for reminding me of that. One of the things that people talk about with sealed is it's oh, I just I got a bad pool or I got a good pool or whatever. If you look at the the really top level limited pros and their win rates with sealed, they are horrifically consistent with how well they do. So yeah, and and they don't always get you know the the you know three on color rares and mythics and stuff like that. You know they. There is a real skill to the deck and kind of how they play out. So it's different to draft, but still very much in that family of here's my constraints and just putting the best thing together that I can from there. Absolutely. Draft, you're building the deck as the cards are getting passed around the table. So you can often build a deck that's a lot more cohesive and it has a lot of synergy. So, you you know, you're getting past all the red cards and you're taking all the red cards that all work together and do a certain thing or, or it's built on a theme from that set or whatever. In Sealed, you're, you've got that luck of the draw where you're just cracking the packs and you get whatever you get, but everybody else is also in the same boat. They're, they've all got that uh, luck factor in there. So the four, the games tend to be slower which means that you can build your your decks around those bombs because the games are going to go longer and that sort of thing. So you get those couple of really bomby cards and they can take over the game. What the those pros who are really good at it in Sealed do is they find those really small synergies that aren't obvious when you first look at, here's my pool of cards, and they find those little tweaks and little, I can play this card and this card and they go together that aren't quite that obvious and that's what makes them really good. So... Like Cracker said, Sealed is a great place to start and pre-releases are perfect for newer players because they are a little bit more casual and a bit more laid back and you can take your time to build your pool, get some help and that sort of thing. Uh, but it is also very, very skill rewarding if you are good and you become a good Sealed player. So that's the two main sort of archetypes, I guess you would call them, for uh, limited play. And there's a whole bunch that fit into those categories, different types of sealed and different types of drafts and things like that, which we won't go into tonight. But yeah, that gives you a bit of an idea when we're talking about limited play as to what that is. So the other main one being constructed. So constructed, there's a whole bunch of different uh, formats that, uh, that all come under the constructed banner. But the thing that they all have in common, as I said before, is that they all have, they're all decks that are built prior to coming to play the tournament or play whatever you're playing in. Each different format has a specific card pool or a specific set of cards or a specific set of restrictions that can be used in those decks. And that's kind of what determines the format that you're playing. So there are what are called rotating formats where the card pool changes when new sets are released and then old sets no longer become legal. So a, a format like standard is a rotating format, uh, which we'll get into soon. But then there are also non-rotating formats uh, where the new sets that get released are added to the card pool, but the old sets, sets are still legal. So a format like that would be modern or pioneer. They're, they're non-rotating formats. Then there are eternal formats, which are for all the people with lots of money, they are sets that have cards legal from every set that's ever been printed uh, with various restrictions and, and bannings and things like that. So that's uh, formats like Vintage, Legacy, and Commander. So 
that's um that's a bit of an overview of what constructed is, but we thought we might get into the actual formats themselves. So, Chewy, do you want to give us a bit of a rundown on standard, which is the format that probably gets played the most, or maybe you, can, you know, maybe not with uh, with Commander, but give us a bit of a rundown on what standard is. Well, anybody who has an arena account, uh, it's probably played some standard. Uh, it is kind of the flagship format for for wizards to uh, you know sell their product and and, and keep their business going. Uh, and as a result, you know they want to push the the newer cards. So uh, it's uh, every two years your cards rotate out of standard. So uh, two years give or take. And, uh, you know, sets are released every couple of months. So there's, uh, you know, it's constantly new cards being injected and then some others sort of tailing off once a year. So, uh, and kind of gives everything a, uh, a bit of a shake up. So I think it's, um, the US fall or autumn for the rest of the world. So spring, uh, in the yeah. southern hemisphere. Uh, yeah, uh, we have the older sets drop off and, uh, yeah, it's kind of an ever-changing, ever-evolving beast with uh, with the new sets that are released uh, every uh, three to four months. And, yeah, it can be a game within the game to keep up with the metagame and, and, and play the deck that you think is going to work well. They have, they being Wizards of the Coast, have seemingly gotten a bit stronger appetite on, on banning cards. We've seen uh, in the format, so if... If a, you know, two years of playing against the same certain blue-green planeswalkers that turns everything into elks <laughs> can be pretty daunting. So, so wizards have been uh, are pretty good over the last year or so. Well, pretty good or pretty bad, depending on which side of the argument you stand on. But, you know, they're not afraid to shake up the format with with a banning or an unbanning, and um, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, it's, yeah, as I said, it's most commonly, most common format played on Arena, so yeah, having a standard deck uh, on arena is kind of your ticket to grind some gold, and it's sort of self perpetuating. I know Cracker, you are still free to play on arena, um, and that's just through playing a whole bunch of of standard. So it's yeah, it's certainly a, a really good, cheap, uh, being free way to interact with the game if you're if you're a newer player, and you know you don't necessarily have to have all of those rares and mythics to to be competitive. So yeah, standards, standards, great. Standards been, standards been great. Standards been awful at various times in magic's history. And you know that, and the good, but the good thing about it is if it is bad, you know, that it is temporary. So yeah, like stand, like you said, standards getting changed all the time with the introduction of new sets, which is good for keeping things fresh. But the downside to it is that, if, if you want to keep up with standard and and we've sort of been through periods of our lives where we've played tournaments regularly like paper tournaments regularly so you need to keep up with that constant change and you need to constantly be purchasing purchasing new cards which is expensive <laughs> yeah no, yeah there's no way around that yeah yeah and and your the cards that drop off the back of the format they tank in price very quickly as soon as they sort of rotate out of the format so you're always losing money it's, it's very smart on wizards behalf to have this format that constantly changes because people just always need to be buying new cards but it's good because it's fresh it's bad because you need to Need to if you want to keep up with it, you need to keep buying cards. So, but those cards that you use that that rotate out, then they they're not completely useless though. No, correct. No, but let, let's talk dollars for a second because I think we're going to get into that a little bit later with some of the other formats as well. Uh, standard decks typically run from what one hundred and fifty to maybe four or five hundred dollars. They have yeah. gone higher than that in different periods. There have been decks that were, and, and sometimes there'll be good decks that are 50 bucks yeah absolutely i've certainly played you know like the mono blue tempo deck and and mono yeah. red and those kinds of things that mono colored being a key point here <laughs> you can spend a lot yes. of money on lands as we'll talk about i'm sure but yeah it's it tends to be around that kind of low to mid hundreds of dollars for a, a you know tier one standard deck but as we were saying every three months you get a new injection of what 260 odd cards and then guess what? A bunch of your deck isn't uh, optimal anymore and you have to find some more money to get some new cards to, to keep up. So 
yeah, it's it's good, but it presents its own challenges. But at the same time, that's what makes it fun. And you can leave a format for six months and come back again, and it's just not even close to the same. It's a completely different kind of game, which is, you know, a blessing and a curse. You can leave it for six hours sometimes. That's, that is <laughs> yeah. also true. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Especially with the amount of matches getting played on arena these days, it's yeah. The the meta game can change very quickly. So, but uh, yeah, like Chewie was saying, if you once your cards rotate out of standard, they're not you know tear them up, put them in the bin. There are plenty of other older formats that you can use your cards in. So, the next one, sort of down the line, being Pioneer or the next next big one, there is another one that we we will mention a little bit later. But the next big format is pioneer so cracker do you want to give us a rundown on what pioneer is yeah so pioneer is our shiny new toy as we record this it was released to us sort of at the end of 2019 and it bridges the gap between standard and the next oldest format called modern um so the cards are from uh, a set called return to ravnica from 2012 and from then up to every new standard set that gets released are legal in it So they will continue to add things as they go. Initially, they came out with uh, a few banned cards. So the the fetch lanes that existed from the Karns block were immediately banned. And then as things have progressed, they have more aggressively, you know, shaped how the format looks. So it was a really interesting experiment in the early days. And we're still very new to this format. It's still only, you know, what, six months old at this stage, I guess. It's a powerful format. And you'll find that as as a theme as we go along because the card pool goes from being two years to eight years, we all of a sudden have access to, you know, thousands more cards than we have in standard. And so as such, they get more and more optimized and then they become more linear and more powerful. So depending on how you like to interact with the game, you know, Pioneer is just doing some some more powerful things than standard does. Yeah, and that's that's one thing you'll find as we sort of go make our way through these formats. The the card pool gets bigger and bigger, and bigger and bigger means that you can find uh, interactions that probably weren't meant to be, or cards that weren't meant to be played together. So they have certain interactions that are crazy powerful. Uh, but yeah, as Cracker said, they get the decks become more optimized as you have better options and cheaper spells and, and things like that. So. The next format that we'll talk about being one of those, which is modern. And this was, I think, for a long time, our favorite format for most of the beans on this cast. And and it may still be. I I think for me, I've sort of lost a little bit of interest in it. I think Pioneer's taken over uh, my my interest in a non-rotating format. But modern is cards from 8th edition onwards. So 2003, 8th edition was printed. And yes, I was playing Magic back then, as was Chewie. Yeah, so was I. <laughs> it gets yeah. its name from, that's when, in 2003, the card frame yeah. um, changed. So it's the, any any card printed on the new frame, so yep. the modern frame. There you go. Yeah, so the, ba- basically just picked a spot and went, this is when we started these new frames. Okay, this is going to be the start of our, our new format, which... Has caused some issues over the years. There are quite a few cards in sort of the eighth and ninth edition sets, the the older sets that people would prefer weren't in. Nah, there. that's fine, man. Everyone format, loves like, Tron like Blood and Moon. Blood Moon and you know those <laughs> yeah. Tron lands yeah. and things like that. Yeah, yeah things yeah. like that. So yeah, modern modern is similar to standard and Pioneer in that when when new standard legal sets are printed, they get added to the card pool, and it is a non rotating format. So. The car, the sets at the back end of the pool are not dropping off, but because modern is so big, so we're we're recording this in 2020, so that's 17 years worth of cards at three to five sets per year. It's a massive card pool, so that massive card pool leads to a lot of interactions that are less than desirable. So whoa, modern has whoa. quite. <laughs> Less than desirable, depending on which side of the interaction you're standing on. That's, that's Can true. I talk about crack clean ironworks? No, here, no, or you cannot, or should no, I just skip no. it? Okay, right. <laughs> you can talk about it in the next format where it's legal <laughs> and not good enough. <laughs> yes. So yeah, they they do have quite a large ban list for modern, and for a long time they were sort of adding cards to that ban list and not bringing anything off. But in recent years they have started bringing a few things off of that ban list that has been working quite well. Uh, cards like Jason Mind Sculptor and Bloodbraid Elf, Stoneforge Mystic. Uh, yeah, Stoneforge Mystic. That's the one I was thinking of. Bloodbraid Elf cards that 
back in the day when they were first printed were super powerful, but with power creep these days, they're uh, they're not too busted. So it's a uh, quite a powerful format, and I think that's what turns a lot of people off, let alone the the cost, uh, because as Cracker said, lands can be quite expensive in uh, in Magic, and if you're buying uh, fetch lands, which are legal in modern. They can be quite expensive. I think Scalding Tarns are still around 100 bucks each. So if you need a play set of those, there's 400 bucks for four lands. And then you've got to add in the rest of your cards. So can be quite expensive. And some of the cards, because they're quite old, were uh, in limited print runs. So they're quite hard to, to find. And because of that, it makes them quite expensive. So very powerful format. Can be a lot of fun. It's one of those formats where you can kind of, you can almost do whatever you want. Like you could build just about any deck and win a tournament in modern because there's, it's such a wide card pool. So that can make it a lot of fun, but it can also be quite frustrating because there are just some crazy powerful decks that are a little bit degenerate and uh, not that much fun to play against. So that's modern. Speaking of degenerate things that aren't that fun to play against, do you want to give us a rundown on legacy and vintage, Chewy? Hang on, and is of the format or me the degenerate thing that's not good fun to play <laughs> no, against? No, no, you're, so you're that's, the that's called vintage. Yeah. That's a two for one, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I uh, that, you didn't miss with that dart. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, I won't spend too much time on legacy and vintage uh, because uh, they are sort of not at the forefront of um, Wizards R&D's minds, but uh, they do have really solid communities behind them. And, and look, they're genuinely fun to play but you need to know what you're signing up for when you when you go to a, a legacy or vintage event is that a second mortgage is that what you're signing yeah. up to well there's, there's that <laughs> or just you know sometimes you know you're you lose the die roll and your opponent beats you before you get a turn um is is, is a legitimate thing that can happen in, in both of these formats so they are as as truly said eternal formats they're uh you know, there's no sort of rotation. There are restrictions. There's legacy has bannings like other formats do, like modern and pioneer and standard. Uh, vintage does not. They have restrictions. So there's a set of cards that are really powerful, uh, which may be, you know, moxes and black lotus and soul rings, etc. Uh, as well as some other things like Khan the Great Creator and Mental Misstep, uh, which are restricted, which means that you're only allowed to play one. Of those, so in all other constructed formats, you can play up to four copies of a single card, unless the card is something like Relentless Rats that says you're allowed to play more. But why would you? So it's a it's a really really powerful format. As I said, it is possible. There are multiple decks in both formats that are capable of winning on the first turn. It's a really expensive. Both formats are really expensive to uh, get into because uh, original dual lands. So in standard at the moment, uh, we have the Ravnica shock lands, and you know they can be pricey, or the the fetch lands in modern, as, as Shorty alluded to. But there is a significant spike between the cost of a scalding tarn and the cost of the equivalent dual land in volcanic island which are up over 500 dollars for a single card so uh the barrier to entry for these formats is often a bit prohibitive but the formats are generally generally really fun and interesting just because they're really powerful they also allow things like conspiracy and commander sets and and things that weren't designed for that weren't ever in a standard set yeah, so, it's not not just the standard sets that get printed. All all the supplemental products that get printed are generally legal in Legacy and Vintage because they are they are eternal formats. So every, every card ever printed is legal for those formats, other than what's been banned and restricted, except for silver there's a bunch of weird. Is the other yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. So silver bordered, and then there's a bunch of weird cards that are like sub games and playing chess yeah, and stuff like that. And <laughs> things yeah, like that. Yeah, there was there's a there's a set of cards that are yeah. Uh, they called them dexterity cards, which uh, required you to actually physically do something with a card, like yeah, drop like it from throw a, a card height. and things like yeah. that. Yeah, and and if you're if you're uh, someone who wants to play the game uh, but has a disability that stops you from doing that, then you're at a disadvantage. So they yeah. just ban the card. So Wizards done the right thing there. Uh, but yeah, because the formats are so big, so not only do we have all of the cards all the way back from you know 1990 or whenever um, Magic was first printed. 
uh, every, you know, in every set that's been printed in between, but there's also all these supplemental products. So the interactions and uh, power level of the format uh, are mind-blowing. So as I said, when I first started speaking about it, you got to know what you're signing up for is sometimes, yeah, you'll play a game that might go for, you know, your normal a lot of time, you're, you're, you're 40 to 50 minutes for a round, but you only play four or five turns per game. Like it's uh, everything is so powerful and so intricate in those, uh, in those formats. It's, uh, it's absolutely incredible. And you've just got to be prepared that you might get blown out, but you also have some really interesting games because you have these really powerful strategies or really powerful threats, but the answers are equivalent. And uh, I've, I've won a game of vintage uh, many years ago by attacking 20 times with a 1-1 goblin welder because uh, <laughs> both, both of the board states stopped each other doing what our deck was designed to do and uh, my deck had a 1-1 in it and his didn't. And, uh, you know, uh, so it was a really memorable game. But, you know, uh, you know I've, also, I've lost on turn one just as often, though. That's the thing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's uh, – it's, but it's really – the price you don't you yeah. don't see a lot of people really wanting to shuffle up their black lotus uh, magic online is probably the place where these formats get played the most and uh, so if you really want to check it out that's the the cheapest most accessible way to play vintage or, or legacy. yeah if, if if you're wanting to play legacy you're looking at roughly like at an average two to three grand us for a legacy deck and vintage you're looking at more like 20 to 30 grand us for a deck so that's a lot of money that obviously not everyday regular people have. I certainly don't. But uh, the, generally the people that play formats like Vintage are people that have been playing for a long time and they probably owned, you know, a Lotus and Moxes and things like that from when they were young and they weren't worth a fortune. So they haven't, you know, just gone to a local game store and just dropped 30 grand on I just want to play vintage here. Here's 30 grand. Give me a deck sort of thing. So legacy is the sort of format that you can work your way into. You can, you can definitely build your decks and play them a little bit suboptimally with shock lands instead of dual lands and things like that and bring the price down a lot. And then if you really like the format, get into it slowly. Uh, but vintage is very prohibitive to get into, but it's, it's not a format that's played very often. So in some ways, vintage just feels like a different game. It, it like yeah modern and legacy are just like super versions of standard right it just keeps getting more and more powerful and you know more and more degenerate but at the same time you're still like mostly casting creatures and counter spells and like some interaction and stuff but once you hit vintage it's it's just a whole different thing <laughs> yeah like it's yeah. it's amazing to watch <laughs> and it's it's like super powerful but it's yeah if you never went uh, your whole life and never played a game of vintage, you've probably not missed out on a whole lot in terms of magic, I think. Yep. All right. So the last constructed format that we want to go right into is Commander. So I mentioned it before that Commander is probably the most popular magic format, uh, Standard being the other one that's probably the most highly played, I think mostly thanks to Arena these days. But Commander is the casual player's format and whoever plays commander they love it so cracker i think you're probably uh i love the it. most <laughs> diehard commander fan amongst their group we all we all do play but you certainly do love it so do you want to give us a rundown on what commander is man speaking of completely different types of magic first of all commander yes. is played with four players typically um or yeah, five or six can i tell you please do not play with five or six players <laughs> <laughs> we have done it, and knowing of what you're getting into, that's hours and hours of your life. So I'm, I'm going to make a PSA yes. that I have made before. If you are playing Commander, whether it's two players, three players, ten players, think about your turn before your turn rolls around, please. Just do ev yourself and everybody else at the table a favour. Don't go, oh, it's my turn. Oh, okay, now I'll actually look at the cards in my hand for the first time. Please just keep the game moving because, yeah. <laughs> It, people want to get to bed before the sun comes up. Anyway, moving on. All right. So, <laughs> Commander. Well, Constructed is what we've been talking about. And Commander is what used to be called Elder Dragon Highlander. was the, the very original name of it. And it was actually like a fan-built thing. Um, and after a number of years, Wizards decided to take it on and they, they rebadged it. So, Elder Dragon Highlander was basically you needed an Elder Dragon, which is 
some of the original like nickel bolus and you know there were all these kind of early sets of um, dragons that were set aside in what's now called the command zone so they actually started outside of the game not in your sideboard not in exile it's a whole different zone and your deck well it's a highlander deck and as we all know from the great movie highlander there can be only one so the rule for commander and highlander (laughs) is you can have one copy of any card in your deck except for basically the irony is they made like seven highlander movies (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah all right you got me uh i think i've only ever seen the first one but um Basically, yeah, that's it. So that's that's the construction, and it's a hundred card format. So you have your commander or partner of commanders, and we won't get into that. But then you have ninety nine other cards. And Shorty was talking about you can do whatever you want in modern and take that to the maximum level with commander. There's honestly probably like thirty thousand cards you can choose from. So go nuts. You, the idea being that you have some restrictions. Your commander has what's called a color identity. And so those are the colors in the top corner of your casting cost. So if you have, let's think of one, the, the preconstruct. I'll just talk about the Locust God because that's my favorite one, right? It's, <laughs> it's blue and red. And that means that every spell in my deck has to be either blue or red or colorless. I can't have any green spells. I can't have any spells that have green activated mana costs in their abilities. So there's the restriction there. And then- I'll just jump in before you- uh, move away from color identities. Yes. If you have if you have a commander that is, I'll use Golos as an example. Yes, Golos is five generic mana, but Golos's activated ability is Wooburg and two, so like one of each color. So Golos is a five color commander because uh, the Golos's activated ability it has a, a color component. So the color identity. Uh, is equal to the color any if 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 there's a color symbol on that card um, that contributes to the color identity is probably the the best heuristic for it yeah absolutely but there are things like some of the eldrazi for example uh there's like kozilek the great distortion is one that people play sometimes which is like true colorless and you can only have colorless cards in your deck so there are certainly people that like to 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 build on that and it's great because you can spend whatever you want. So we were talking about, you know, fetch lands and original jewels and all that kind of stuff. So if you want to build a super optimized, highly competitive deck, then you can spend as much as you want on it. You can spend, you know, four or $5,000 on a deck easily. But at the same time, if you want to spend $20 on a deck, you can absolutely do that too. So it runs the full range in terms of costs and it runs the full range in terms of play experience and variety of games because you're sitting down with three other people and most commander players once they get into it if they're into it they'll have multiple decks and so you get paired up against you know different players playing different things and and the interactions that take place are just kind of unique to their own right and even if you sit down with the same people playing the same decks every time because you've all got a hundred different cards then you don't always see the same thing so your interactions are always different so it's it's its own beast and it's a lot of fun yeah it certainly is we we do play quite a lot of commander uh as, as our casual format when we've got a, a bunch of us together and we just want to play something for fun so it's definitely good and yeah i, I would definitely suggest limiting it to four players and and not going <laughs> more than that Uh, And it it is quite easy to get into because they do release every year a set of pre-constructed commander decks. So uh, I always have, I've got my good commander deck that I'm allowed to bring out once in a blue moon (laughs) and and kill everybody with. And then I I get told to put it back in the cupboard and don't bring it out again. And then I have a bunch of pre-constructed decks that I I play the most of because they're not super high powered and and they're a bit more fun. So Yeah, I I think on that it's it's a brewer's um, playground really because you pick your own restriction that you you want to work with uh, being your commander and any commander can have a number of strategies associated with it that'll have you know varying power levels and such Uh, so it gives you a you know a a blank canvas I guess to to build your own so there's a whole bunch of pre-constructed decks that you can you can you can go and play out of the box and they're they're great or you can grab one of those and tweak it, or you can pick a legendary creature uh, that you like and you like the strategy of, 
and you can, you know, just have at it and it's something that evolves. And that's, that's the way that I interact with Commander. Uh, it's, it's really fun. I don't own a pre-constructed deck. I, I find a cool legend and I, I, I build a deck out of that and I have a lot of fun doing that. Some are better than others, but um, I'm always having a good time. And I guess that's the key with Commander. It's, uh, it's, it's fun. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Um, I've, I've done a bit of both where I've had, you know, pre-constructed ones and then you just kind of, you know, crack packs or go, oh, hey, I've got this other sweet card that I can put in an upgrade. And it's, it's nice to be able to just, you know, incrementally change the deck as you're going. One of the other particularly unique things about Commander is the Commander themselves. As Chewie just mentioned, they are a legendary creature. There are some legendary planeswalkers that you're allowed Wizards have released a few at different points that say this Planeswalker can be your commander on the card. It's pretty explicit, but otherwise they can't be just, you know, you can't have Liliana Vess or, you know, Jace the Mind Sculptor sitting in your command zone, unfortunately, because that would be a lot of fun. But um, there's some restrictions there. But one of the things about the way that commander works is that you actually can choose what happens to your commander because it will die. Because they're usually incredibly powerful and enable a whole bunch of the strategy your deck is built around. And so when your commander dies, it can go back to the command zone if that's beneficial to you. And so the command zone, like I said before, is not your graveyard, it's not exile, it's a different thing. And you can cast your commander from there at any time you could cast the creature normally. However, there is a thing called the commander tax. And so every time your commander dies, it gets a tax applied to it. So it costs you two generic mana more than it previously did. So if your creature was uh, blue, blue, and two to start with, then the next time you go to cast it, it would be blue, blue, and four, and then blue, blue, and six, and then blue, blue, and eight, and it keeps getting more and more expensive as you go on. So it's, uh, it's one of those restrictions that tries to keep it balanced. If, if someone's got a super powerful commander that they can you know, get out early, and then you, you can kill it off and kind of keep it under wraps. So it's a, it's a good way to, to yeah, keep things balanced. Yep. So the other big difference from uh, the commander has compared to the rest of the constructed formats that we've spoken about, those formats you all start on twenty life uh, across all or pretty much every other constructed format. You're on twenty life. Commander, you have forty life. So just to prolong the game, I guess, because everybody wants a commander game that goes for four hours. Everyone starts on forty life. Uh, you do find though in in commander that. If you were on 20 life, I reckon the games would just be super boring. You'd just die so quick and, and it probably wouldn't be that much fun. So I assume that's why it's it's 40 life. But there is also another thing uh, called commander damage. So if you take more than 20 points of damage from a single commander... It's 21, over the length, actually. Yeah, so it's more, it's more than 20. So 21 or more Chop. from a single commander, then that also kills you and you, you lose the game. So we often, when we play, we, we just ignore commander damage because it gets so hard to track because you have to track it per player's commander and, and things like that. And, and you've already got a, a notepad with four people's names written on it and it just, just gets annoying. So, But that that is another rule in, in commander as well. So, yeah, a bit more of a casual format. They do play it a little bit competitive competitively. So as Craig has said, it's Elder Dragon, Highlander, or EDH, as you probably hear a lot of people call it. There is also CEDH, which is competitive uh, EDH, so competitive commander. You can play it on Magic Online and things like that, but generally it is a casual format uh, that most people just play for fun. Uh, they run a lot of special events and things like that at Grand Prix and things or Magic Fests where, uh, yeah, you get a whole bunch of people playing Commander. So I'd highly recommend giving it a crack and uh, buying a pre-con deck because yeah, it's good good fun. So and If you want to play and you see a bunch of people just with these massive decks and they're playing Commander, honestly, you could probably just stroll up and say, hey, I've never played before. Does someone have a deck that I can borrow? And they'll just, <laughs> you get they'll, you'll get 50 decks for it. You'll get a whole bunch <laughs> to choose from and like people are happy to just enjoy the game and you know go with it so yeah, yeah. very accessible all right so to wrap it up we, we just thought we'd mention just a few of the uh, sort of other main formats that we're not really going to go right into so there's there's a format called brawl which is effectively the standard version of commander so it's a 60 card deck i think you're only 20 life but it's limited to the the sets that are legal in standard uh never played that one myself and probably never will uh, i assume the same is it's the same for you guys Usually busy on a Wednesday. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> 25 life for Brawl that you start with. Okay. Shows how much I know about that. I didn't even bother researching it. The other one is Historic. So Historic was Wizard's answer to 
what do we do with everyone's cards that are rotating out of standard on Arena so that people don't freak out and think they've wasted all their money. So they created a format called Historic. So every set that has been on Arena or been on Arena since they did a certain wipe. Uh, so I, th- I think it's from like Ixalan block onwards. Correct. Is legal in Historic. And then they've been doing some weird things where they've been adding historic anthologies so they they get like 20 or 30 cards from magic's history and they're adding them to the format so not really interested in that format i don't think it's hugely popular but if you do want to play with some older cards on arena it is there for you so you can give that a go uh there's a format called pauper so pauper is a format a constructed format that only includes commons so it follows all the same rules as of um, normal constructed formats with four of any card uh, other than basic lands that sort of thing but you can only play with commons which at face value sounds like it would be a really slow boring format but it's actually not there's a whole bunch of really old cards from the uh, you know early sets of magic that were printed at common that are crazy powerful so you, you're playing with cards like brainstorm and counterspell and, and lightning bolt and, and things like that so it's actually a really fun format uh, that i've played a bit of myself and, and i know some of you guys have put some decks together and played that a little bit as well yeah it's great really good if you're um if you've got a you know an old collection or you happen across an old collection uh, some of the even commons might be worth a few bucks. Yeah, it's all it's also super cheap. Like most pauper decks are under fifty bucks, so it's a it's a good one to get into. There's an old format that we don't have anymore called block constructed, where uh, when the sets were released, they were done in blocks, usually of twos or threes, and so you would build your decks, but from only that specific block. Two headed giant. Chewy mentioned it right at the very start of this episode. Two headed giant is a official multiplayer format so you're playing 2v2 so it's uh, you're like you are a two-headed giant you share a life total as your team the the two of you together and you're playing against two other people so you you all have separate decks but the two teams are sharing uh, their their life total so again that's that's generally a bit more of a casual format it gets played at pre-releases i've played it a few times with my daughter and it's it's a good bit of fun Uh, but yeah not a not a super competitive format and then cube draft so we've Mentioned cube drafts on our episodes plenty of times. So Cube's cu- the best. <laughs> well, not according to our show notes, Chewy. The next format is the best uh, according to that. Cube is the yeah. best limited format. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, cube is uh, it's basically a custom draft. So it's a pool of cards. So generally a pool of 360 cards, which when you split that up into 24 packs, which is three packs per person for eight people, it uh, adds up to 360 cards and it's each cube is individual. So you decide, okay, I'm going to build a cube and you just put together the cards that you want in that cube. Usually you will only have one of any card uh, just to keep the, the variation and all that sort of stuff there. But you can build whatever you want. So Chewy has a cube uh, that's got a bunch of really old stuff, probably what you'd call like a legacy cube, Chewy. Yeah, th- there's no like moxes and black lotus or anything in there but there is the original jewel lands and and some yeah some older cards so um you get to do some powerful stuff without being you know too ridiculous i think yeah uh and then i have a cube that we've mentioned a few times which is what we call a pauper cube so it is a cube that is made up solely of common cards so yeah we we do we play we draft it we do cube drafts or sometimes we do sealed with cube where everyone gets six packs and and you're just basically randomizing the cards that are in the packs and it's good fun because you can completely customize the format to be however you want it to be and change it and update it whenever you need to so that's good fun and then the last format we wanted to mention is what chewy the best format ever the best constructed format that I've ever played, uh, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating, is uh, Australian Seven Point Highlander. Uh, we'll put the link to the uh, to the website that's got the Seven Point list on there. But it's a singleton um, constructed format, so Highlander uh, in the name. Uh, so you can only have one of any card that's not a, a basic land. Uh, you don't have a commander like Commander. Uh, you have a 15 card sideboard, and there is a points list uh, that uh, so things like your, your black lotuses uh, are worth, uh, you know, four points and you can have a total of seven points between your combined between your main deck and sideboard. And it's, it's really fun because you've got this unlimited card pool 
but it's single. So it's really powerful, but you get the variation and it's kind of native to Australia a little bit. There are iterations that are played around the world. Yeah, there is, a, there is a Canadian Highlander version. Yeah. There's also a German uh, yeah. one. Yeah, okay. Oh, there you go. Yep. yep. Um, but the yeah, the, the Australian one's the one that, that I've played it. There's a there's an awesome community um, in Australia that's um, right into it and there's some pretty high stakes uh, prizes at times. I The closest I've ever come to owning a piece of power is I lost in game three of the finals of an event uh, where there was a time walk on um, on the line, and uh, I had to settle for my uh, Juzum Jin, uh, a second prize. But uh, yeah, there's uh, yeah, there's been moxes and um, all sorts of stuff put up over the journey. So uh, if you do have an older collection uh, and you're in Australia, look it up. It's uh, it's awesome, and it's probably played in your city in some some form. Uh, so yeah, if that sounds interesting to you, look it up. Anything that I can play Dem One Gristlebrand in. I'm all about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's a good, 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 fun format. We'll put the link for the uh, the seven point Highlander point system up on the uh, the show notes for this episode. So, I think that's going to do us. I think we've done a, a pretty good job, if I do say so myself, of covering all those formats. There, it's a, a lot to take in, so you may need to go back and re-listen to this one a couple of times. But, uh, yeah, it'll give you a bit of an idea when we're talking about the the various formats and things on our regular show of what we're actually talking about and, and you you get a bit of an understanding of what cards can uh, can fit into that format that we're discussing. So that's going to do us for tonight. As usual, you can uh, find us in, in all the regular places. So you can flick us an email, magicbeanscast at gmail.com. Uh, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and on Twitch. Just search for Magic Beans Cast and you'll find us on there. Uh, our Twitter handle is at Magic Beans Cast. If you want to find me, I am at Peace Inc. Chewy, you are? At Chewy MTG. And Cracker? At Joel Hill underscore. All right, so that's it for another episode. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye.